I'm recording a preface to the episode I recorded about Sam or to Sam before because I ended up getting the backstage pass. I attended the meet and greet after his talk with Daniel Kahneman. I shook Sam's hand and I asked him if he was open to alternatives to conversation and violence. I won't be able to do his answer justice here, but his views of conversation and violence were broader than mine in my recording. So if he hears it without this preface, I suspect he'll think I don't understand his views. Naturally, I don't understand them as well as he does. In a funny way, I hope that he sees that I misunderstood his views because as he'll recognize, I recorded the other recording before his explanation, but more because I hope that my being open to his more expansive view will open him to my different view as well. He asked me about alternatives to conversation and violence. I suggested a few, but then I closed my answer with Mandela, Gandhi, King, and Havel and said they weren't doing conversation. But he described, as I recall, and my hearing and memory aren't perfect, so I might misstate him, and I hope I don't, but I might, that nonviolent civil disobedience is a mix of conversation with the people you're going to do it with and violence in the form of disrupting others for the people that you're trying to change. While I see actions like nonviolent civil disobedience, but also other actions, I see them as more than conversation and different from conversation and also less than violence and different than violence. Still, I can grant his view that nonviolent civil disobedience would be forms of conversation and violence. But even granting that, I think he's still missing others. He himself later, responding to someone else's question about teaching children meditation, said, and I'm paraphrasing here, that when they teach these children, first they have a conversation and then the children meditate. There's something different in them practicing something than in conversing about it. And that's what I was alluding to about project-based active experiential learning. It's something different than an exchange of words. It may involve an exchange of words, but there's something different that happens and it's not violence either. He didn't catch my other examples and not knowing his views, I couldn't have prepared and didn't have time with dozens of others waiting to talk to him to get to these fine points that are, well, what appear to be fine points, but are big differences. I should also mention that Danny Kahneman, who he was on stage with, spoke about influence while they were on stage. They both did. But Danny Kahneman mentioned lowering barriers as opposed to pushing. And by pushing, he meant creating incentives and argument, which Kahneman described as less effective, as do I. Now, they had a lot to talk about, so Sam wouldn't necessarily pick up on every detail, but I didn't seem really connecting with Kahneman talking about the lower barriers. I suspect, based on students learning leadership from my classes, that he's less familiar with what active experiential learning means. I could be wrong. I'm not sure. I mean, when I first saw the title to John Dewey's book, Education and Democracy, I thought, whoa, education is one thing, but democracy is a totally different thing. It was a long time of practice before I realized how close and essential these two things are for each other. Over and over, students start my class asking how to convince, how to do other techniques that I think Sam would probably categorize as conversation. And before learning project-based learning, I had no idea there were alternatives to how school taught me. And if I saw it in practice, I would probably miss what was actually going on. Maybe it's presumptuous of me to think that others might miss something similar, but I think a lot of people miss something similar, especially because my students do. For my students, after practicing the techniques I assigned them, they learn to practice skills that neither conversation nor violence could teach. For example, here's a sample quote from a student writing a reflection on an exercise that the student just did. Now, the exercise is about writing other people's beliefs. And I'm not going to go into the details of that, but hopefully you can pick up what someone gets from doing this exercise that I don't think came from conversation or violence. So now quoting the student, writing the beliefs for individuals, even for those I was made aware of through being prompted by disagreement with observed behavior, was a surprisingly empathetic act. At first, I was focused on that individual's belief that went against my belief that provoked a reaction in me. But as the week went on, I branched out to any observable belief, whether I disagreed with it or not. I was aware of myself becoming more open-minded. 
if open-mindedness is me thinking that person's doing that over there, I don't agree with that, but that's just what they believe. I'm still quoting the student here. This sounds trite, but I think it is quite profound to be able to notice things and let them be. It's more than noticing the belief without judgment, which I don't think is actually possible given how our minds work, and goes further to notice them, judge them, and then disregard the judging because it's based on my belief, not actual fact. Now, done quoting the student, I think you can see what the student learned. I don't think I could get that from conversing with someone. I feel like it's substantively different of developing open-mindedness, of observing beliefs without judgment, or recognizing judgment and getting past it. Other examples of what I consider not conversation and not violence are learning sports, learning the arts, which may have a conversational component in telling people, like, here's how to hold a tennis racket or here's how to practice a C major scale. But practicing exercises, I just don't see as a different form of conversation. Practicing Bach, who has been dead for centuries, does not feel to me like a conversation, but can profoundly change the person practicing them. You can learn things about yourself that you never could otherwise. If you're saying it's a one-way conversation from Bach to the person, even then, if you don't practice, you just can't get it. It's one thing to listen. It's another thing to practice. Likewise, practicing meditation or yoga may involve some conversation, but I don't think you need that conversation. And I think something fundamentally different happens that's not violence and not conversation afterward. Actually, come to think of it, there's a video review on Amazon. I didn't even know they had video reviews. And I'll put a link to it on the page by a graduate of Annapolis, a guy who studied at the Naval Academy for four years, studied leadership, and even after studying it and being a leadership coach and teacher himself, in reading my book, saw that there were different ways of teaching than he'd ever come across before. And this was a guy who studied it for years at one of the world's most renowned institutions and most effective institutions for teaching leadership. So there's a lot there that even people in the field don't see or it's new to them. Now, I'm not trying to prove anything here. I'm really trying to suggest that there are leadership techniques that can be taught and learned that are fundamentally different from conversation and violence, and I think would change Sam's life to practice and develop them beyond what he already has. Of course, he does that already with meditation, with Brazilian jiu-jitsu, with lots of other things, but I think he has the opportunity and capability to do more than converse with people. It may involve just words, or it may look like it's involving just words, but I think there's more that can happen there. And since I share so many values and goals with Sam, and he has so much more access than I do, I want to help on those values and achieve those goals. Also, a thinly veiled other goal of mine is to motivate him to trade being on each other's podcast because I think we could learn a lot from each other and help each other achieve our goals. I'll close with two more examples. One is seduction. When a woman seduces me, she may start with conversation, but conversation only goes so far. Eye contact, caress, touch, what she wears, her perfume, and so on, all these nonverbal things seem fundamentally different than conversation. He may say that these are conversation, but if Sam is saying that a kiss or a massage are subsets of conversation, there's really a language issue. There's something that I think if we spoke, here's where a conversation could be useful. I think there's something really different there. And if I'm not getting it across, I think that's a language issue. But I think still there's something there available to Sam that he hasn't quite seen yet in the way that before he meditated or did Brazilian jiu-jitsu, he also didn't know about something there. And now that he has those things, I think he really likes having those things. Actually, I should mention that in answer to another question, Sam talked about the limits of pacifism and looked directly at me, even though he was answering someone else's question, as if to solicit my responding. I would have loved to have responded, but with about 100 people all waiting to talk to him after I'd already talked a bunch, and they'd paid a lot of money to participate in this meet and greet, I didn't feel I should take their time. So I didn't respond to him, and I feel kind of bad because I would have liked to have, but on the other hand, there are all these other people, and I don't feel bad about giving them more time. 
Plus, I felt confident I would get to talk to him later. I hope that the other recording and this recording lead to that. Anyway, back to these examples. The first example was seduction. The second example is listen to my podcast. You'll hear me converse with the guests, but I also lead them. Between the first and second or third conversations, they experience something that I led them through that changes them. And that's experiential learning. That's leadership. That's active learning. Listen, for example, to John Lee Dumas transform from saying he didn't care about the environment to making beach cleanups a family affair for over a year, including lugging rebar over a mile. I didn't converse him into that change. Yes, I spoke to him, and that speaking did lead to some beginnings, but there was something that happened in his experience that changed things. And that's something different than mere conversation. Or Dove Barron, whose experience with his car led him to not drive it for a year, a car that he aspired his whole life to get. Actually, that episode hasn't posted yet. I recorded that, but I'll post that soon. He's deciding to get rid of his car, not because of a conversation, but because of an experience that a conversation led to. And that's leadership. That's something different than just conversation. I know it just sounds like I spoke to him, but there's more going on than that. Or Beth Comstock, realizing how much plastic existed in her life and how inescapable it was. And that came from her acting on her values, not just talking about them, but influenced by me. So Sam, I hope you listen to a few episodes with an open mind that while it may seem like I'm only conversing with guests, there's more going on. Oh, I'll add a third, a third example, which is the experience of tasting my food, my famous no-packaging vegetable stews. I'll put a link on the page to read the reviews from people experiencing tasting these things, this stew. Also seeing me prepare them from scratch. This came from a big transformation in my life, and it leads to transformations in other people's lives, where people realize that acting on their environmental values can be delicious, it can be fun, it can save money. Yes, there's conversation, but there's also something in the tasting. For example, I made some food for my friend when I stayed with him in L.A., Soon after, I got an email from his mom, who lives in Long Island, asking for my recipe. So I wrote her back and told her I didn't follow a recipe, but a pattern, and talked about how I made my stews. And then she followed what I did, and now we trade techniques. I don't think that that was a conversation that got someone I never spoke to and had never met, my friend's mom, but sampling experience, sampling food and the experience of that. And isn't that what we want, to be able to influence people beyond the people we're directly speaking to, to influence them in ways that we want to influence them? So Sam, if you're listening to this, especially if it's before you've gone wherever you're going to after New York, beyond inviting you to talk on each other's podcasts, I invite you for some of my famous no-packaging vegetable stew. Read the reviews online with the link on this page. I think you'll really love it. But the bottom line is that I think that there's something fundamentally different and more. There's more available than just conversation and violence. I recognize that some of what I'm saying is not quite getting it right, and my words aren't going to be exactly your words But I still think there's something there, and I think you would really like to learn these things. I hope it doesn't sound patronizing for me to say that, but I think it's all there. 